Welcome to Between the Worlds. I'm your host, Amanda Yates Garcia. Stay tuned and learn how to re-enchant your world with tarot, magic, and more. Thanks for traveling with us. We're glad you're here. When I think about the Eight of Swords, the first thing I think about is that feeling of being stuck. You're in a situation you don't like, but you cannot see a way out of it. When this card comes up, the rut you're in usually has more to do with your habits and old patterns than it does with current external circumstances, but that doesn't necessarily make it easy to fix. So stay tuned to find out how to free yourself and move forward. Good news, friends. Our Sigil Magic class is finally up on our brand new website. We are so proud of both, and we really hope you get a chance to check them out. If you feel like a magical person and are interested in witchcraft, but you aren't quite sure where to start, Sigil Magic is your answer. Sigil Magic is truly a foundational magical tool where you make custom symbols to harness the creative powers of your unconscious mind and thus shift your reality. By the time you're finished with our Sigil Workshop, you'll have a potent magical tool you can use to connect with your intuition and increase your powers of concentration and use in literally any ritual you can imagine, whether you're casting spells with your friends or on your own. I can tell you that it is very convenient to have the sigil tool in your magical tool belt because then whenever you're in ceremony with your friends or you want to do something simple on your own but can't think of anything to do, You'll have this. You'll always have this, and you can use it for literally anything. You do not have to be good at drawing to take this sigil class. All you need is a desire to move from feeling magical to making magic. If you buy the class before March 21st, you get a 15% off discount. And subscribers to our Weird Circle get this class included in their membership. Link is in the show notes. We hope you join us. Here we are, Eight of Swords. Okay, let's describe the card. There's a woman. She's wearing a red dress. She's bound in rags or like uh, ropes. They look kind of like... um like surgical bandages almost and she's blindfolded and she's standing in the swampy landscape and far in the background up on a hill there's a castle she's surrounded by eight swords so let's talk about the symbology here so first of all we've got this bound woman and it looks like she's a prisoner or maybe she's facing a firing squad or something She's blindfolded. You can hear the wind howling and whipping at the rags that bind her. There's no one around. And she looks like she's just been abandoned out there in the middle of nowhere. It's a gray sky behind her. It's looking bleak for this woman. The eight swords are stuck in the swampy earth. And I have to say, this whole sitch 
Reminds me of the swamps of sadness in The NeverEnding Story. Do you remember that? I love that movie. I seriously watched it all the time. I want to watch it again. As soon as I get off this recording, I'm going to go watch it again because I love it. Anyway, Swamps of Sadness. Let's talk about this. Swamp of Sadness is a place in the land of Fantasia that symbolically represents despair. Despair is when we give up hope, as you know. And in the book slash movie, whoever is traveling through these swamps, if they let the despair of the swamp overtake them, then they will sink in like quicksand. All children, why do children love to think about quicksand so much? I'm not exactly sure, but I thought about it all the time. I, th- I thought about quicksand and lava all the time. In this case, it's not really quicksand, it's a quick swamp. And in the movie, the hero, one of the heroes, the little boy Atreyu, and his horse, Artax, are trudging through the swamp. And he comes upon this giant turtle, Morla, which just looks like a moss-covered hill until it starts talking. Morla is also known as the Ancient One, the oldest living being in Fantasia. Morla is like the patron saint of the Eight of Swords cards. So we can just brand Morla onto this card. And you remember how Morla in this scene keeps saying things like, nothing matters. I'm sure you do remember that. It's uh, etched into my mind. Morla has an indifference to the fate of Fantasia. Morla is so old, she really cannot be bothered and does not care. She's, she doesn't care about her own survival. She doesn't care about the survival of the world. She doesn't care about anything because nothing matters to her. So eventually Morla coughs out. I'm going to start crying talking about this because it really does get me every time. But so eventually Morla coughs out that in order to save Fantasia, the empress of Fantasia needs a new name. And she lets drop to Atreyu that he has got to go to the Southern Oracle in order to get to, in order to make this happen. But then she laughs and informs the exhausted Atreyu and Artax's horse that the distance to the Southern Oracle is 10,000 miles away, which is a long way for a little boy on his horse. And so after hearing that horrible news, they leave to see if they can get there. But Artax, Atreyu's horse, gives up hope that they'll ever make it. And he starts sinking into the swamp of sadness. Come on, Artax. Do you remember the scene where Atreyu is shouting at Artax that he has to believe, he has to find hope? But Artax the horse cannot muster up the hope. And so he slips into the brackish water as Atreyu is calling for him. And crying out and grieving and devastated and barely able to go on. Atreyu tries 
to continue his journey, but because he's lost his best friend in the world, he starts sinking too into those swamps. And we think the story is almost over and that there's no hope and the nothing that's destroying Fantasia, it's eating it up. The Mark is the evil wolf servant of this thing. It sent a Atreo out and it's on its way to get him. He's going to be eaten up by the Gmark. But just then, just when the Gmark is about to devour Atreyu, and all hopes for Fantasia itself seem to be lost, the glorious and joyful Falcor, the luck dragon, swoops in and pulls Atreyu out of the swamp and heads to the southern oracle, traveling the 10,000 miles through winged flight. Huzzah! You can hear the parrots have come outside my house just to punctuate this moment because it's such a joyful one. And please note that the Southern Oracle is an angel of the South. And the South is the direction of wands. The South is the direction of fire, of passion, and will. So the antidote to despair, to the despair of the Eight of Swords, is A... The joy of the luck dragon. We all need a little luck dragon on our side. And B, to head in the direction, even if it's just one step after the other, of the south. In other words, head in the direction of passion and fire and creativity. So this card, the Eight of Swords, it corresponds to Jupiter and Gemini. Jupiter, as you know, is the planet of expansion. Big goals. But in its shadow aspect, this correspondence with the shadow aspect of Gemini can indicate like constant bickering or being pulled in multiple directions. So though you might have big goals, self-doubt and constant questioning of yourself can make it difficult for you to move forward. Just like Atreyu in the Swamps of Sadness. On a more positive note, though, Gemini can also indicate an introduction of new information. We can imagine that new information flying in like the luck dragon. So this quest for knowledge that's teamed up with Jupiter can help you expand out of your small pond of self-doubt. So when the luck dragon comes in, you leave the swamps of despair. Let's talk about the number eight briefly. Eights can indicate a feedback loop, as symbolized by the infinity sign, right? It's like a perpetual motion machine, and it just keeps looping around back over the same old ground. And the woman in this card is stuck in the same old habit, same old pattern. She can't break free. But as I always talk about, eights indicate mastery as well. So in this card, she's standing in the swampy water. But the brackish water in the Eight of Swords can start moving again, and the woman in the card can attain mastery if she is able to communicate, aka Gemini, her power and authority, aka Jupiter, to the world, to the castle, to the people around her, or into the air around her. So the Eight of Swords pretty much indicates a need to fake it till you make it. Say to the world that you are doing what you're doing. Say that you're breaking out of your ruts. Let yourself be big. Communicate that. My last point 
uh, in the Thoth deck, this card is called Interference. So there's something you want to do, but things keep getting in the way. Constant, constant pings from your texting friends, urgent emails that need answering, distracting news headlines, hello. So that Gemini information blitz can really get all up in your business when you're trying to concentrate and move forward. You might be able to use this card to your advantage, though. I put the Thoth version of the Eight of Swords as a screensaver on my iPhone to remind me every time I pick it up that my phone is interfering with my work and I need to break out of that cycle. And it really does help whenever I see that. I'm like, I don't want, I don't want this. (laughs) I don't even want to go there. Putting that phone down. So short answer, the Eight of Swords appears when we want to do something but circumstances keep getting in our way. Remember, this card is a swords card. Swords are creatures of the air and the east, and they're all about habits of mind. So this card is more about our perspective or our point of view than it is about physical restrictions. You might recall as well from our episode on the Ace of Swords that the sword is a tool of discernment and awareness but it is also a weapon. It's an enforcer of power. So in this card, we can see that the person in the image has forgotten her power. It's almost like she believes so strongly that she's a prisoner that she she no longer even tries to escape. Ultimately, this card is about using your skills, using your intelligence, using your creative fire and passion to remember your power, because you have got this. Our guest today is Liza Fenster, aka Kuro Mother Tarot. She is a tarot practitioner, an intuitive, and an energetic healer and neuromuscular massage therapist with 20 years of extensive spiritual and metaphysical practice and study. We love her Instagram page and her attitude, and we can't wait to introduce you. So, Liza, I'm so thrilled to have you here. I've been a longtime fan and admirer of you, and just like the truth that you drop on your Instagram page (laughs) and your wisdom and just the perspective that you have that I just feel so real and honest and authentic and like full of heart, like real heart-centered. But in a way that is like raw and powerful, not like um, sentimental. So I'm so excited to talk about this card with you, the Eight of Swords, because it is also not sentimental, I would say. (laughs) No, not even a little bit. (laughs) She says, be cool or be gone. Yeah, she she (laughs) she's like having an experience here. But so, so what what do you think is the most interesting or the weirdest kind of thing about this card? Or really, like, what do you always think about when this card comes up? One of the first things I think of when I look into this is I immediately call to mind the Smith Rider Waite version, even if I'm not looking at that particular deck, because I'm reminded that the energy of this card is telling me that uh, this is a, to a degree, a self-imposed fear, hardship, feelings of being lost, of 
obviously trapped, but but trapped is is a bit superfluous for me to even think about. But because we know that already, we're trapped. But trapped by what? Right? Is it? Mm. Um, so the the thing that I always find very curious from like a an academic perspective when I look at this card is one trapped by what, and two, how long have they been there? Right. I mean, you know that sometimes, depending on which other, if there are other cards pulled, for example, that would tell you that. But but what's very very juicy and interesting about pulling this all by itself is that you have to really sit with it for a while to allow it to tell you uh, if I was about to say if it wants to tell you, but it will. It will always tell you. Those are the things I think that are the most interesting and the things that I go to the most. That is immediately what I want to know. What are you trapped by? How long have you been there? And to what degree did you participate in this entrapment? Mm. Yes, because, well, what you're getting at with this idea of how long really goes to, I think, the heart of what this card is about in that it might be something from childhood. It might be something from deep in your past that is that has trapped you or that makes you feel like you can't get out of whatever situation you're in, even if it doesn't directly relate, but that there might be something that goes way, way back historically into your, into your life or into your history. I mean, and also this question of, you know, how'd you get here? Like, how did you get into this trapped place? Like, was it, was it your decision? Was, did somebody else do this to you? I mean, when I look at this card, she seems like a prisoner to me. Like she's bound, she's blindfolded. She looks like she's been taken out into the middle of nowhere. It almost looks like she's facing a firing squad or something. It definitely looks like someone has done something to her. Like because she's bound, it's hard to it's hard to bind yourself like that. Like it's hard to tie yourself up in a rope, but yet we don't see them anywhere. It's like it seems like whoever did this to her has left. And now she's standing there waiting to be rescued or waiting for permission or waiting for further punishment. And she's just in this swampy gray landscape. And there's this castle in the background and it's really far away. And it doesn't look like any help is coming to her. Like no one can hear her scream. (laughs) She's way out in the middle of nowhere. But I want to step into this image and say, free yourself, woman. (laughs) Your feet are not bound. You can walk forward. Mm-hmm. And when people see this in readings, particularly people that don't often receive readings or have never received a reading, they'll see this and, oh no, I'm like, well, 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 let's pause here. This, depending on one's perspective, we can, I think, find some quite a bit of empowerment here. And I probably come from that perspective because I don't enjoy being a captive by anyone. I don't enjoy being trapped by anything. And like, you know, when I look at this card, when you, you, you said it, I think very beautifully just now, it's like, you want to step in and be like, hey, psst, hey, 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 hey. You know, she's bound and blindfolded in Smith Rider weight. And even I brought, I, I have, I'm sitting in front of the Dali version and she's weighed down, but she's weighed down by a butterfly. Hmm. 
Right. Um, Fascinating. I know. To think about a butterfly, which obviously immediately calls to mind transformation. That, sh- that, that Like there's a transformation that is sitting on her chest <laughs> that wants to happen. Exactly. Sometimes it's if she could only get herself up, right? Or if she could only become willing to be led out because sometimes we just fucking can't by ourselves. We just can't. And that's, and that just is what it is, you know, but I really like to encourage people's perspectives of this, the binding and the blindfolding. I was like, this shit looks like toilet paper to me. It looks like gauze or toilet paper. And if you were like, hey, all you got to do is just raise your arms really quickly at the same time and you go and you're out. And then you could pull it down and you could say, well, if you were maybe willing to get those shoes muddy, you could just come with me. Because as we look at this perspective in this particular card, it's not an enclosed circle of swords. And I really love to look at the storyboard of the suit. Mm, like you mean like lay out the, uh, the numbers one through 10 and like look at what the story is saying. Yeah, exactly. When I remember to do that, I'm also I'm able to apply it in storyboard form to other corresponding cards in a reading, especially with for people that are not familiar with the, the number system, the numerology or the storyboard nature, one through 10, right? We go mm-hmm. down, 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 down. Oh, shit, out of five. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Oh, 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 oh. Right. right. Like the, the five is right. like the nadir, right. like the bottom point. Then then we're like coming, we're coming back, back up. up. But what's interesting about the swords, right? It, it, I still find light or empowerment or optimism there. And I promise... I promise I'm not a Pollyanna type person. We don't get that. We didn't think that. Okay. (laughs) But I, you know, the way that I look at this or why I find it so useful is that this is one of two warning shots before you get to 10, the 10 of swords. Right. Oh, that's interesting. You could be like, hey, hey, friend. Hey, hey, you got like two more cards left before there's no getting up. Or out of the 10. Because right, you're this done. is like strike one. Hey, friend. Hey. And even in nine, as you know, I mean, I know we're not talking about nine, but all, but we could still crawl into that card and be like, hey, 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 shh, 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 shh. come here, come here, come here, come here. I'm going to show you the way out. Um, and eight presents like, it's, it's proof to me, one of a million different sources of proof that the realm of the spirit, what, who, whatever it is that communicates through these cards, one, they have no personal horse in the race, but two, they're the interest of the spirit realm. Oftentimes, I won't say all the time, oftentimes is that of seeing us into our clearest fruition, our, our and, and fruition doesn't always mean yeah, our greatest unfolding. It's like, no, let's just see our way out of this and then we'll work on the other shit later. Right. Here's a way out. Here's a way out. And it's, uh, I think it's asking us to take a pause. I mean, because what else is she doing? She's certainly pausing. <laughs> Hello. She's right, certainly she, right? in a state of stillness. She's in a state of stillness. And it's and it's like, okay, well, while we're here, while we're here, maybe maybe we could take a look at 
what we've got. You know, um, what are these obstacles, limitations, pains either imposed upon us from other people? Generationally, um, we could start with the concept of epigenetics, right? And then other people, and then slightly less other people, and then ourselves. Yeah, this whole spectrum of of hurt or woundedness that, that she seems to be surrounded by. I mean, one of the things that I'm really struck by with this card is that we get the sense that she doesn't know that she can free herself. Like, she clearly feels powerless in this situation. And so I feel like it indicates... A situation where someone has done something to you, like it could be childhood trauma or it could be Mm -hmm. capitalism trauma or it could be like traumas related to any number of, you know, social justice issues, which are, you know, there are so many of them and there are any number of situations beyond our control in the world. But for me, the worst part often is that whatever has been done to you has affected the way that you see yourself. Mm. So you've been hurt in such a way that you don't remember your power or you don't you don't remember or believe that you can find a way out of whatever situation you're in so you don't really try anymore. Because I think that we're born curious. We're born with a sense of agency and then often that feeling of personal power gets drilled out of us throughout our lives, you know, the educational system or our family systems or, you know, in school, in culture at large, you know, we're told there is no escape in a lot of ways. But I like that she has in the Rider Waite Coleman Smith version, she's got this red dress on, which to me suggests that beneath all the ropes and bondage, she still has this fiery free will and she needs to, to get in touch with it. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. And I think that she looks like someone who knew. If she doesn't currently know, like you said, if she doesn't currently have the ability to believe or see herself as she really is. Wow, I like that a lot. I've always noticed the color. um, And it's always made me curious as to where you come from. It also kind of looks like a nightgown. Right. It's like a red nightgown. There's some kind of like, maybe it's like an erotic power that she needs to get back in touch with or like her, her, her lust for life needs to be, needs to be reaccessed. I like that a lot. And it would also make sense because there are examples everywhere we look of people being afraid of erotic power and wanting to eradicate it or at least I'll put you over there until I feel like dealing with you, until I want you all for myself. Well, it's also so powerful. And I think people are afraid of that. They're afraid of their own power. And certainly like, you know, the feminine power of eroticism has been like bound up, tied, pinned down, like corseted, like bound in all sorts of numbers of ways, culturally and um there's something about this card of like that, like that wild feminine life force power and energy that seems to be bound up here and surrounded by these swords. I mean, mm. how do you feel like this card wants us to grow? Like, what does it want from us when it appears? I really, really deeply feel that we are being requested to find or remember or or in any way that it takes try to access 
the the realm of power or solution or or option even if for the time being there's no way to physically draw yourself out of your current circumstances that the fact that you lie within this this unclosed by the way perimeter of swords the fact that you are in there is is where the juice is the juice is right there in you even if it's inside of this fucking fence of swords it's you it ain't out there mm. Because I noticed I have several different, like I said, versions of this card. In Dali's deck, there's also a castle. Right. And then there's her castle. And then in Menzel's deck, uh, there's no castle, but there is like a, a nebula, a universe, and a whole other solar system out there, right? And so there's this, this uh, idea that well, the 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 cash and prizes is outside of right. the swords, and sh- maybe shit, maybe it is. But 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 what are you going to do until you can get out of there, sweetheart? Right. You know, and and so, and I love now that you've called my attention to the color of her dress or her gown. Now I really like think about this as her like drawing from herself and and stoking her own fire until I, my belief is that eventually through her own skin she'll burn off these ties and this blindfold. And I think that that is one of the ways we're being called to evolve or grow or learn is that it ain't it's not always out there sometimes it's right in here there's something that needs to happen internally in order for her to move forward but that she has what she needs we can clearly see she has what she needs to liberate herself she needs to use her imagination her creative fire she needs to be willing to take that risk Mm -hmm. I mean, while I was considering the meaning of this card, I was thinking a lot about this psychological term called learned helplessness, which is a condition in which a person suffers from a sense of powerlessness, which arises from a traumatic event or a persistent failure to succeed. And it's thought to be one of the underlying causes of depression. And in learned helplessness, you really were made to feel helpless in some way. So this happens when there are circumstances that are beyond your control that make it impossible for you to escape from harm or achieve your will. In other words, it's not your fault that you learn this. Like she, it's not her fault that she doesn't know that she has power. Because at some point, this woman learned that even if she tried to avoid harm, she couldn't. And so she eventually stopped trying. And this can happen to all of us. Like it can happen on major levels and it can happen on minor levels. So it can happen on major levels, like when we, if we have like really severe childhood trauma or social trauma from all the number of in- injustices that we have that, you know, we have to face to varying degrees, um, you know, with our varying degrees of privilege in this culture. And it can happen on smaller levels. Like for instance, like, you know, maybe you have a work drama where like every time you try and get a promotion, you don't get it for instance, and then you just kind of stop trying and you sort of give up. So 
I mean, this can also contribute to this like hypervigilance, this state of like always expecting something bad to happen to you. And that, of course, is a trauma response. And I was also thinking about how it might also pertain to ideas like addiction, for instance, like smoking cigarettes, alcohol, gambling, where, you know, you try and try and try to quit and you can't, like you can't, right? You you try over and over, and and you don't you don't get where you want to go a lot of the mm. time. You know, it's it, it's very hard to break an addiction, and that is because you really genuinely do have something that is preventing you from moving forward. And that there's like a biological chemi- chemical response going on in your brain that makes you feel like you have to have this substance or. You have to have that dopamine hit from the gambling or from the internet or whatever. And, you know, I think about, for instance, like how maybe you've been trying to meet someone and you've tried the dating apps and you've tried blind dates and nothing ever works. So maybe you've like given up. You're just like, I'm never going to meet anybody. I'm never going to be able to have that. I'm not allowed to have that. But I was thinking also about how it's important in this circumstance to not universalize. So for instance, just because your last relationship didn't work out doesn't mean you are inherently unlovable or that you'll never find a partner or just because you couldn't quit smoking the last five times you tried doesn't mean you are you are incapable of quitting. Like you can do this. There's something in your circumstance that might be preventing you from doing the thing that you need to do but you are inherently worthy. You have the power. So it's important, I think, when this card comes up to remember that you're not doomed and that you ought not universalize or like internalize the circumstances. You know, like, so if if people have treated you badly in the past, it's not because you are bad. It's it's because, you know, we live in a, a fucked up world where people have been hurt and they hurt other people, you know? Mm-hmm. Whenever I see this, I think almost exactly what you just said. The land of always and never is not a real place. Right. It's not real. Right. So if you're hearing the words always and never. Not real. In your life, as this is a mantra that you're saying to yourself, then you might be in Eight of Swords territory. Hello. That would be me sometimes. You know, <laughs> I think I mean, we've all been there. We've right. all been there. You got to do your time. <laughs> I mean, I feel like this this card does give us some medicine, though, in order to figure it out. Like, I feel like exactly as you're just saying, it's all about language because swords are about language, right? They're about the mind. They're about constructs of the mind that are that we are imposing on ourselves that make us believe a certain set of quote unquote truths that determine how we behave. So. Often the story that we're telling ourselves about why something is happening or how it's happening is determining our reaction. So for instance, going back to that promotion idea, if you feel like you've been passed over for a promotion because you're a failure and no one likes you, it might be time to ask, is that story helping me? Is that story helping me get move forward? Because you could have been passed over for any number of reasons, like seniority of the person who got promotion. Maybe your boss knows the other candidate personally and has like a personal preference. It could be literally discrimination, in which case that is like not about you. It's about the people that you're working with or the social circumstances that you're living in. Or maybe you do need to build your skill sets up. Like maybe you you there are things that you haven't been 
doing that you you could learn to do or that you could develop. So in any of those cases, it's not that there's something inherently flawed about you, but there is a way that you can grow. And I, for me, when I think about eights, the word that I always think about is mastery because mm. it's like, you know, you've come through the initiation of the seven and then in the eights, it's like you are doing your thing. You've got this. You know how to do this. So in this case, she looks like she's forgetting that she has tools. She has this, she's practicing this helplessness and instead she needs to practice optimism. She needs to practice her skills. She needs to consider what she's practicing and just kind of make a step forward. Mm-hmm. Eights are very chariot energy to me. It's like, great, good job. Now keep going. Right, <laughs> right. You mean like after the chariot, like the ch- you've been doing it and doing it and doing it. And now it's like, okay, like, yeah, more to do. Yeah, we're not done. We yeah, gotta, you've, you know, yeah, right. Like, like, now you did great stride. <laughs> right. It's like it's that's a there's multiple statements to be made within the energy of the eight slash my comparison to the chariot. It's like, I'm so proud of you. I'm so, so proud of you. You're killing it. Dot, dot, dot. Now keep going. Mm. Right. And and she clearly needs to, I don't think I've seen an eight of swords in any deck that I own or have even looked at that the way that it's presented in imagery wasn't such that I was like, she desperately needs a reminder of who she is, what she's capable of going forward, but also what she's done so far. Like you've, we have to talk about not just liabilities, but also assets. Like what mm. do you, what if you, what do you have in your satchel that is serving you super well that would help you maybe get out of that open, open area right in front of you? Yeah. It's like, remember who you are. Remember yourself. Remember your own power. Mm-hmm. I remember something actually that you said earlier, which uh, also really to me is a really profound medicine that comes with this card too, is like community, like get help. As humans, we are social creatures and we need community and we need each other. And your circumstances might've made it difficult for you to trust people or may have led you to believe that there's no one that can help you. But I do think that some of our problems, if not all of our problems are social or political in nature, and they can't just be solved through our own efforts as individuals, like we need to work on them collectively. So it might be that joining a group could help you feel more empowered. I mean, when I look at this card, one thing that really comes to me, perhaps because it's something that I identify with so much is like environmental trauma. Like sometimes when I'm like listening to the news or reading the news and I just think about the destruction of our planet and I just feel so helpless and so devastated and so lost. And I'm like, what can get people like there's nothing. I just look around and think, do we just have to watch as like these corporations like locusts like destroy our planet? And she does seem to be in this environment that has been like destroyed by a like a corporation that's come and clear cut all the trees or has done some sort of horrible mining experiment there. But in that case, I do believe, and it has really helped me to like join up with other people, like to join 
an environmental organization or an anti-racist organization or something, if you're feeling like there's something that is trapping you that is social or larger in nature, like there are other, like join up with other people who are also feeling trapped by the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's because you want to ask her, where are your people? Why did right. they leave you here? Where are you? Pe-? You know, and, and even if you can, even if she could get out by her own self, and I believe her to be empowered to with the ability to do so, she shouldn't have to by herself. We shouldn't have to do this alone. Um, and these swords, this barrier of fear, abuse, oppression, hardship, it, you know, one of the clearest and most obvious, air quote, obvious markers of an abusive situation is that of isolation. And, right. um, and, and those of us that have survived situations of that nature who then deal with, you know, the trauma response, PTSD, the, the realm of the mind becomes that of a closed loop and there is no solution in there. You know, again, that's a bit hyperbolic, but there's there's very little solution in that closed loop, you know, until someone steps in, hey, 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 come here, right? To remind you. There's a place for you. Yes, that's right. That's right. Yeah, because you you've been convinced that you are helpless, that you're alone, that you're isolated. That's that's a really great point. That idea of um, you know, when you're in an abusive situation, oftentimes the abuser will like isolate you or make you feel like there's no one to help you or there's nothing that you can do about this situation. And um in that case, yeah, it is about like finding your people, finding your help and believing that you can. I mean, I I don't want to speak to that too authoritatively because like I, you know, I'm not an expert on that situation. But um, but yeah, if you are in a situation where you feel isolated, it is time to find people who can support and help you and that there are people out there like mm-hmm. as alone as we might feel there like there are a lot of people with a lot of love. There are a lot of people out there who still care. And it, I think this card is also really about hope. Like she's lost her hope and she needs to believe that it's there in order for her to move forward. She needs to believe it is possible, even if circumstances have taught me previously that it isn't. And that goes back to the I, the environmental stuff, because as I said, that's something I really care about. And Sometimes I get so demoralized because I'm just like, there's just no way that we're going to stop this. But if we don't believe that it's possible to stop it, then we won't. And it, we have to live as if it is possible to stop it. Mm. And you and then it, and then back to like the circle of community and and so, OK, so what's one to do on the days when you absolutely cannot see how? Uh, you'll always be able to see why, a la Viktor Frankl. You'll always be able to see your why, but the how. Tell us more about that with Viktor Frankl. Oh, wow. He wrote wrote, uh, Man's Search for Meaning. Right, about the Holocaust, surviving the Holocaust. That book really changed my life. It really, uh, I found it at a time when I was, about to undergo some very serious, the initial stages of some very serious trauma therapy. And um, and what I remember reading, because, you know, it's a short book, relatively speaking, but it's so 
uh, concentrated. And I remember reading that he was looking up at the stars and walking in the line uh, before dawn. In this concentration camp? That's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. he was in the freezing cold. He, yeah, and he, he detailed, didn't have shoes, right? That's right. He was detailing how cold his feet were. And, and that really was important for me to read because uh, knowing the visceral sensation of like extreme cold or extreme hunger, right, can really mess with the mind, especially cruelty and on and on and on. And, and seeing people just dying and like, like not having food, having their family taken away from them. Yeah. Daily, yeah. literally daily. Yeah, and like all day, yeah. He had sewn into, he had one blazer left and somehow he had been able to hold on to this blazer that was certainly not weather appropriate, but it was all he had. And he had sewn into this tiny, tiny little confiscated rolled up manuscript for his thesis, his doctoral thesis on logotherapy and which... Language therapy. Right, which is the the prime, the, the one of the premise of when man can find his why he will always find his how and his ha- his why was his uh wife that he had believed to be deceased and he looked up at the sky and it was clear that dawn mo- pre-dawn morning and he thought about her yeah. and how much he loved her and 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 that feeling was his that love and then and then how love could liberate he was he felt determined to uh see it through as best he could and so this individual within the semicircle of swords it looks as though she really needs community to remember her why she she is her own why and she can't really see that for whatever reason yes i mean what you're saying is really powerful thinking about that book and how he's saying like that having a meaning, even if it, you're giving it the meaning, it doesn't necessarily have to be one that's given to you by the universe or that there's like that you can find it as a fact, but that mm-hmm. from inside yourself that you're finding meaning and purpose and that you're thinking, you know, like Frank, Frankel wanted to see his wife again. He wanted to be with his family again. And, and, and he said that the people who were able to find something that they we're living for, um, we're, we're able to heal to a greater degree after if they made it through. Right. Yeah. And then it, and then it also did help people, you know, live through that horrible experience. I mean, horrible is an understatement, but I mean, I was thinking when I was trying to come up with like a personal experience that related to this card, um, when I was, like many many years ago like over a decade ago I was working during the recession right 2008 I got out of grad school and I couldn't find work it was recession there was no work and I had like big student loan bills and I ended up running up a lot of credit card debt because I was living off my credit cards I could not find a job and eventually I took this job at this horrible for-profit college that was like very exploitive it was exploitive to the teachers it was exploitive to the students I was miserable it was humiliating it was ill-paid it was over I was totally overworked it was ugly there it was demoralizing (laughs) I felt totally out of integrity 
because I knew the students weren't being well so served by the school. They were having me teach classes that I, I really wasn't qualified to teach. I mean, I was qualified to teach like English and art history, but like I had to draw the line one day when they were like, can you teach a physics class? And I was like, no, I can't. <laughs> I don't know anything about this. And you shouldn't oh, be no. asking me to do that. Anyway, so I was miserable. I had to go on antidepressants, you know, which no shame, like I would not have made it through that time if I didn't do that. And I just really did not see a way out of that. I, I just could not see how I could get out of that job. And because I was so scared after having been unemployed for so long in the recession, et cetera, I just thought there, there's no way that I can leave this job. And also, I think there was some shame, like my experience of unemployment had like demoralized me so much that I felt mm -hmm. like I wasn't capable or like worthy or something. Like, I just couldn't believe that I'd I just was so demoralized by having found myself in that situation. And I long to get out of it. And what's crazy now looking back on that situation, though, is I felt like I was constantly searching for ways out. Like I, I felt like I was constantly applying for jobs. But when I look back in the years that I was doing that, like I probably only applied to like three or four jobs while I was working mm. there. But I felt like I was applying all the time because I was thinking about it so much and worrying about it so much and fretting about it so much and wanting it so much. But was I actually doing, like, was I actually looking? Was I actually emailing people and being like, have you heard of any jobs? Was I posting things online? Was I really searching? I mean, I, I think I was internalizing a social problem, which is like unemployment. Capitalism requires and creates unemployment so that People like me feel obligated to stay in jobs that we hate. But, you know, I was blaming myself for that situation, even though it wasn't my fault. But I think, you know, like I, I didn't I didn't see that there was a way out. And I think had I had a little more hope and had I had a little maybe a little less depression that I could have reached out and tried to find people who could help me and support me. Um, you know, I just I just want to say to anybody who's going through a situation like that right now, like regardless of your situation, I do have faith that it is possible for you to find a way to liberation. And I think sometimes it's just a little faith and putting one foot in front of the other that will get us through. I mean, it took me a long time to find my way out of there, but I did find my way out, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have a lot of unearned privilege as well that like helped me find that find my way through. And I had a lot of luck and there was a lot of things that, um, you know, that wasn't just about like my dedication or, you know, intelligence or whatever. Those things helped. But like it, I, I just can't I just want he, anybody out there who's feeling like they they don't know how they're going to find a way forward. Like I do have faith that that we can find our way. Mm -hmm. Even if it's not tomorrow or the next day or next week, it, it can happen. You know, I mean, it, it doesn't always suit the preferred timeline or right. the, the route that it will take to get to that timeline in the first place might not be what we want it to be, but it might still just be, it still exists. It still exists. It mm -hmm. still exists. We have to have faith that it exists. Well, so we have this little gift that we like to give to our listeners, which is um, 
that, you know, if someone's facing a situation like this, an Eight of Swords situation, we like to draw a card and get some wisdom from the tarot about like what, you know, what the wisdom might be for how they could could move through the situation and find another way or find their way out. And today we get the Page of Wands. So if you got the Page of Wands for your client who is trying to find their way out of this Eight of Swords situation, what do you think the Page of Wands would recommend? Um, that nothing is too small, no beginning is too too humble, too meager, and that that feels very lovingly stern. Actually, like what's coming through on that is like, what's wrong with that? Like, but all I have is like five dollars to put towards this thing I want to save up for or rent or not rent, but moving out of a place that energetically feels like it's going to kill me. All I have is $5 or all I have to submit to this publication that I really, really am hopeful about. All I have is this, this self-talk, right? Mm-hmm. Go, it, would, it would go back into the eight of swords. It's like this stupid little pro, bit of prose that I, I wrote. It's like, it's whatever. No, 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 no. Paige is here to be like, that prose is fucking beautiful and you need to submit that right? Is it edited enough? Great. Submit it. You got $5? Bet. Put it away, right? No beginning is too meager uh, or, or, or not meaningful. Start. Just Start. do something. Just do something. I don't care what it is. Don't even care. Yeah. Take the step. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me with Page of Wands, I, I totally agree. Like, it's just like, begin, right? Page is a beginner, beginner's mind, just make that step forward. And also, I think because it's a wands, you know, page of wands, it's like, remember your passion, whatever it is that you're passionate about, whatever you care about, even if it's just a twinkling light in the distance, just take a step towards that. And it will start to burn like you're, you will find your red dress again, like you will remember your like your your juice, your fire, the thing that you that inspires you it will start to waken in you and it will call you forth. And like and speaking of passion, because it's a wand, right? For if we looked at it because it's a page, right? It's like it's the hobby, not the hobby, but the thing that you've stumbled upon that excites you. And even though it's it's a beginning, it's a start, it's one that you should allow yourself the gift of feeling enthusiastic about. Yes. Like just, just throw yourself in it. Like and and like who cares who's looking, right? That's the other thing about the page. The page. It has not learned the behavior of of self consciousness. Um, he's just like fucking pumped to be here, <laughs> and um, and I think that that's a really actually a very potent, beautiful, and loving piece of medicine to go adjacent to the eight of uh, eight of swords for the week. I love what you're saying about letting yourself be enthusiastic. Like she's really lost her enthusiasm. It looks like she's just like her candle has been snuffed out. And the page of wands is saying like, whatever it is that you feel enthusiastic about, like let yourself move towards that. And that there is a path if you just take that first step. So Liza, um, we are coming up against the end of our time together here today, but I was wondering if you might be willing to share a juicy witch tip or something, you know, what is it that you are most, like if you could give a little 
witchy tip or or gift to our listeners about something that you're really interested in right now, either in tarot or magic or witchcraft or in your spiritual practice? Like, what are you really excited about right now? Well, I am really excited all over again about every single person's innate ability to create and to be alchemic, which translates into what I really need people to remember. If we don't remember it this year, we'll remember it next year, is that you need not compare your insides to anyone else's outsides, especially on the internet. Um, How do you feel? What do you see? Doesn't matter what the person next to you feels or sees. What do you feel? What do you see? Stay in your fucking lane. Um, Victor's the goddess. <laughs> okay. And, um, and, and then beyond that, you know, quarantine and remaining as safe as possible in the last nine months has really like just made my scope super narrow in that, you know, practical magic reigns supreme all over again in my life. And so what I've been doing, and I love it very much, is everything has become a ritual all over again. The the direction that I stir my coffee in the morning, not a joke. Uh, what direction I, f- how many times I drop the oil before I put it on my face, what mm. I say, the direction I sweep my face. And then I have started and would like to encourage everyone to regularly cleanse their mailboxes on the inside. Even if you live in an apartment, cleanse your mailbox and make yourself a sigil. And if you live in an apartment or a situation where your mailbox is not your own, make a small piece of paper and tape it to the up underside where it's not like super visible. If you have your own mailbox, who gives a shit where you put it? But like... (laughs) You know, if you live in a shared mailbox or whatever, put it on the roof. Make your sigil about what you feel uh, you would like to be fed by. What do you want to come into your life, a.k.a. air quote, through the mail? Draw that to you. I want you to know, whoever's listening, that you... Your juice is 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 inside of the circle. And so draw it to you by hook or by crook through your fucking mailbox. I love that. I'm totally going to do that. Do it. I, <laughs> I love I, that. I like, I don't know why, but I was, when I moved into this this house over the summer, you know, it's, I started exploring every, every inch of it, like a person. And, and I looked at the mailbox. I was like, you need some love and some care. Um, and then I started doing that and it, I am very pleased with what I've gotten in the mail as a result. Yeah, that sounds great. I'm going to do some opportunities, abundance, <laughs> love. Yes, yes. That's coming yes. in through the mail. Yes. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> and love, uh, you should bring love and abundance. And also, you know, I live in Georgia now. And so flipping the Senate here, I've been yes, really yes, sort of yes. like, how do I, I will by by any means necessary in the alchemical sense, flip this fucking Senate. Yes. And so through my mailbox, what opportunities can I bring towards me to help with this whole thing? Well, we did some, so my last ritual, um, after the online ritual, we did a letter writing campaign to flip Georgia. So maybe you'll be getting one of our letters in your mailbox. (laughs) I wouldn't doubt it now. I hope so. That would be my greatest delight to send you a little love letter about flipping flipping the Senate in Georgia. But so, okay, 
Liza, how can people find you? I know, do you have anything special going on right now you'd like people to sign up for or know about? Or like, you know, if if people out there, which I know that they will be really interested in following your work, please do follow Liza's Instagram page. I love it. It inspires me. And I feel like you talk so much sense and clarity. Where can they find you? Um, I'm on the internet a couple ways. Uh, on Instagram, I'm at crow.mother. And then on the other part of the internet, it's thecrowmother.com. Um, I'm always, often, I hate to use the word always, I'm often uh, seeing people one-on-one on the internet for appointments. Amazing. Liza, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been such an enriching and rewarding conversation. I will never look at the Eight of Swords the same way again. Mm. I feel like it's added so much to my perspective. So thank you so much for being thank here. Thank you so much for having me. I loved, loved, loved this. Huzzah! Next week, tune in for the Nine of Swords, often referred to as the Nightmare Card. Our guest, Rachel True, yes, that Rachel True, the one from the 90s version of The Craft, and now author of her own tarot deck, The True Heart Tarot, makes the Nine of Swords an absolute dream. And if that mailbox sigil idea from Crow Mother got your heart a fluttering, don't forget to sign up for our sigil magic workshop where you will learn to make sigils as easy as falling off a log into a pile of smiles. Link for that is in the show notes. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Subscribers to our Weird Circle at the Jupiter level get workshops, community, bonus content, and magical support throughout the year. We really do hope that you join us. In the meantime, if you love our content and want to keep us on the air, please do take a moment to give us five stars or leave us a sweet review on iTunes or share your favorite moments from the podcast on social media. Truly, all of it makes a huge difference to us. You can tag me at Oracle Valet or at Between the Worlds Podcast. Not only does your support help keep us on the air, It helps baby witches who really need this content know how to find their way to us between the worlds. So thank you for being here and thank you for helping other people find their way here as well. This podcast is hosted by Amanda Yates Garcia and produced by Carolyn Pennypacker Ricks. Our icon was created by Maria Minnis, aka Tiny Parsnip, and our graphic design is by Leah Hayes. Thanks for flying with us.